Hello, and welcome to episode 105 of the Arena Regulars podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Jeff. And we're your source for drunken Magic the Gathering arena content. That's right. Just a couple of regular dudes drinking some irregular beers and talking about Magic the Gathering. In particular, the online client, MTG Arena. That's right. And this episode is all about draft. So we're going to talk about Phyrexia. All will be one draft because uh, we've drafted a lot of it. And we have some things to say about it. But first, each week we bring a beer, we drink Jeff's, then drink mine, rate them on a scale of bronze to mythic, and choose the best for last. So with that, Jeff, what is on tap? All right. This time we have Halliburton Forest. It is a uh, from Boschkung Brewing Co. It is an amber lager, 4.5%. You can see the can here. It has a uh, axe in a stump, so that's kind of cool. It's like outdoorsy themed. I selected this for... Well, two reasons, I guess. The first being that we like ambers, so yes. it was an amber. But the real reason is that uh, it says amber logger, L-O-G-G-E-R. And that was enough to sell me on it. Yep. <laughs> get that good dad joke in there. It's perfect. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Let's get this one going. Uh, now, while we pour this, we have some magic news. The... Pro Tour's back, and it was in Philadelphia this time. Pro Tour, Phyrexia, and obviously there's no spoilers in sports. It happened two weekends ago, so congratulations to Reed Duke getting your first PT yes. win. Finally. <laughs> so exciting. Um, that was super cool to see. Uh, and also just being back in paper PTs was super cool to watch. I kind of... I was... <laughs> I ended up just being kind of home all weekend. and was able to watch a ton of it, um, which was really fun. And boy, is the top eight so much easier to watch when it's not double elimination. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I uh, completely forgot how nice it is that we don't have to sit through like so many matches um, after yeah. like a whole weekend. So really, really awesome. Yeah, it was great. I watched uh, a lot of it too. Um, yeah. Um. We also got to see Yuta Takahashi's Worlds card was previewed, and it is a fairy, and it is awesome. Uh, yeah. It's coming out in uh, March of the Machine, so I'm very excited for that to get into our Rogues deck for Explorer. Cannot wait. It's also going to be all over the place, probably. It's like It seems pretty good. Feels like it's just going to replace Ledger Shredder and like a lot of stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. Possibly. Maybe, but... Yeah, yeah, or just extra copies of Ledger Shredder. Ledger Shredder is pretty good too. It is. Uh, it does something different, uh, to be fair. So, um, anyway, uh, all will be one Phyrexia. Nope, sorry, that's the set that we are doing right now. But the alchemy cards for that, um, they're coming out during this patch, this week's patch, which comes out tomorrow as we're recording this. So it's already happened by the time you're listening. But that doesn't really matter. We're not going to talk about alchemy. The really exciting part about this patch is something we've been waiting for for a very long time. So long. What is it? It seems so simple, but it's taken so long. What do we find? Okay. We are getting preferred printings. Mm -hmm. So if I have multiple versions of the same card, I can choose the one that I like the best, and that will be the default one that is always used by Arena. Oh my god. Holy shit. How has this taken so long? It seems so easy. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Finally, 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 I don't have to manually find the basic lands that I want. 
and swap out all of the crappy ones that Arena put in for me. And this, yeah, this just took way too long. It's been literally yeah. years that people have been asking for this. It's <laughs> so simple. So um, instead of having to scroll through all the lands and even all the cards, so it's not even just basic lands. It's just like any card that has multiple printings, like Opt or mm -hmm. Duress or something, you get to pick which one you like the most and you just favorite it and you don't have to see the other ones when you scroll through and look at stuff that is the, the biggest plus for me is that i i get so tired of seeing like them back to back i'm like oh it takes up like half the page it yeah. just makes deck building <laughs> such a pain in the ass on arena and it's like seven be. different duresses yeah so this has been a long time coming it's amazing um the only thing to note about this is that uh when you're playing limited it seems fairly obvious, but like if you draft duress in the set right now, it will be the duress that you get from the actual set and not your preferred duress. So, um, yeah, so you're not going to just be ran. It won't be confusing then for people, um, which is always good. Yeah, no, that's that's the right call. Exactly. Um, we have an arena open this weekend, March 4th and 5th, which is... Um, one limited so sealed day one draft day two as well as the play-in event for the standard qualifier which is next weekend which is march 11th to 12th the best of one plan is this friday the third and then the best of three is of course next week the 10th oh so many things very cool <laughs> yes uh so playing those if you want um limited arena opens are really fun especially because we're talking about limited today so that might get your mind into it and then the mm -hmm. standard qualifier is standard because I said standard qualifier. <laughs> smart, <laughs> smart, smart. Um, one last thing that's also very exciting is Innistrad Remastered is finally coming to Arena. We were guessing this was going to come out within the first 30 episodes of the podcast. Um, so, yeah, we were off well, by a bit. Yeah, it's only episode 105. It's cool. <laughs> um but uh, anyway that is coming finally so we're going to be seeing a lot of previews for that um they call them spoilers but we already know the cards so it's like mm, it'll be more like which cards aren't in it will be the weird thing um and that comes out march 21st so very cool lots of lots of stuff very exciting um great jeff do you want to talk about the Pro Tour quickly before we get into our Phyrexia All We One draft on draft episode? Absolutely. Um, yeah, so this Pro Tour was great. Um, I technically, well, actually, technically, it's probably not true, the right word, but I watched all of it um, with an asterisk. So that weekend, I was sick, quite sick. It turns out I had strep throat, but at the time I didn't know that. And because we have uh, you know, an eight-month-old son, my son is eight months old, uh, I was quarantined. So I was like sent to the basement, uh, sleeping on an air mattress with a TV mm -hmm. down there that just had the Pro Tour on the whole time. <laughs> And I was like drifting in and out of consciousness, which is why there's an asterisk on having watched all of it because mm -hmm. like it was on in my presence for the whole thing. Um, but I definitely fell asleep a number of times. Um, yeah. But it really did help get me through that. Uh, like I felt horrible. I just had like Gatorade bottles everywhere and like 
uh, ibuprofen just sitting next to the thing. Um, and whenever I had caught, whenever I could maintain consciousness for like an hour or two, I would watch whatever, <laughs> whatever match happened to be going on in the pro tour. At the time. Um, but I was lucky enough. Most of what I missed was like uh, random day two stuff or a couple of matches on day one. Um, but I did catch pretty much the whole top eight because I was feeling a bit better by then. So I was able to stay up longer. And I think I was lucky enough to like catch most of the limited uh, stuff. Nice. Yeah, I think I had, because so this was um, Phyrexia Draft and Pioneer. And so I had basically watched it in the morning both days. And so I catch just about all of the limited portion. And then I usually had things to do after that. So then I would just keep it going on my phone in my pocket and I would put in my earbuds. So I'm like in Costco, like getting groceries, but right. like listening to the pro tour. So I know what happened in some matches. I just didn't watch it. So I wasn't as focused as well. Um, and I had a pretty uh, rambunctious Saturday night. And so I missed the beginning <laughs> on Sunday. <laughs> um, and then I was not feeling well all Sunday. So I just basically did the same thing where I was just in bed, like on my side, just like watching the, um, the top eight. So that is how I, I started watching right after the Nathan Stoyer, um, Reed Duke match. And so I was oh, hearing, was a great match. I know. So I was hearing all about that match. So I went back today and, and rewatched it or watched it. Uh, yeah. I was also like, I went into it watching for, uh, Benton Madsen, uh, because he was playing Boggles, of course, or well, they really call it Celestia Orders, but that's the deck I would want to play, and it was cool to see him play it, and that it was like him and one other person were playing that deck, and uh, he. So this is kind of the the story of the weekend is that um, Benton Madsen he uh, was undefeated the first day, and then immediately lost that at the top of the second day, but the finals were between him and Reed Duke, Reed Duke season pro getting back into it, finally trying to win a pro tour and Benton Madsen who qualified for the tournament playing on his phone. <laughs> That's how yeah. he qualified. <laughs> and uh, so if you out there are like, Oh, I'll never make the pro tour. I just like play arena sometimes on my phone. There, the, you know, he went to the finals. It was his first pro tour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> playing like the deck that nobody plays and, um, it was awesome. I I loved that. It I, you know I wasn't expecting him to really win the final, but it was just cool to see him there. And uh, for sure, and he seemed like really nice guy. Oh yeah, like um, just the type of guy you want to root for. I, I love that they were selling that story. Like, oh, you two could mm -hmm. play on your phone and get into the pro tour and play a pro deck. It's like, yeah, but have you watched his matches? Like, he's very good. Yeah. <laughs> That he, he, I don't know if I'm buying that this could be me, like just watching him play. Yeah, so he is, um, he had a testing team, testing team, his teammates, uh, he has two other teammates, but only one of them was playing in the tournament and both of them made the top eight. And they, they made the top four, sorry, both of them, uh, which is crazy. Uh, but there was one moment um, before we start talking about limited, uh, Benton Madsen was playing uh, Gabrielle Nassif and it was uh, Nassif San is it creativity, which is what um, Reed Duke was on as well. And there's just a moment where basically, if 
it's like game three, if Gab can rip a creativity off the top, he wins. And so mm-hmm. Benton's like, okay, he's like, do you want to do the the thing where you put out the mana, like the cruel ultimatum thing? And yeah. you can hear him talking. He's like, it, it's the top eight of the pro tour. Like, it's pretty cool. If you want to do that, and you can just tell that like, Gab hears that stuff a lot. It was a long time ago when he made that uh, that play. And Benson's watched those and is so excited to be playing with these people and like, yeah, bringing up all these like old stories. And and so Gab's like, okay, he's like, you just just flip it or something. And it, it, it ended up not being anything and it didn't really do anything in the game. But it was just funny to see like this fanboy be like, do the thing. Could you do the thing? It's so cool. <laughs> Yeah, that was funny. Oh, man. Um, I think he predicted that he would go 0-8 at the Pro Tour when they asked him, like, how are you expecting to do 0-8, maybe 2-6 at best? Yeah. <laughs> Next thing you know, he's in the finals. So have really low expectations. I think that's uh, the thing to right. do. Um, but going into that, do we want to talk about some draft? Just uh, Firex said, all will be one draft. What we think is good, what the pros were playing, um, what did well, all the stuff. Yeah, the only one comment I wanted to sneak in that's not draft related about the pro tour was that, uh, do you know what the card of the tournament was? No. I think it was Boseju. Oh, God. (laughs) I always so... <laughs> See, my mind was like, oh, it's Skrelf, because that's the new card that got added to Auras. <laughs> but yes, the Nathan Stoyer match really, well, a lot of other matches, but it turns out to beat Is It Creativity, a really good thing to do is use Beseju to blow up one of the targets when they're casting creativity so that the mm-hmm. combo's broken. Because the combo is you creativity for two and then you get two perfect things which in this case is world spy and worm and xenagos and then it makes it hasty and double its power and toughness so it attacks for 10 trample or 10 30 30 trample yeah (laughs) so yes and the okay so people who aren't in the know the reason jeff's bringing this up is because (laughs) when baseju was foiled and everyone was hyping it i was saying it was overrated and it's not worth playing as many copies as everyone was Lotus Field placed three copies and it came in very clutch. All the times it was played when in the yeah. top eight. All tournament. Benton actually won a lot of matches with Poseidon too. Yeah. That's um, like the card I want to cut control. from the deck. Yeah. <laughs> he nailed, uh, what was it? Temporary lockdown with it that got him a game that he otherwise would not have been able to win. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, maybe, you know, playing one is fine. I don't like the playing the three of them, but in those cases, three is is a lot. Anyway, I still think, no, I don't know if I can stand by that anymore. It's a really good card. You should play it if you're playing green. (laughs) Uh, anyway, (laughs) thanks. Thanks for that. (laughs) Just had to feather that one in there. Of course. Uh, anyway, Jeff, let's talk about one limited, specifically draft. Um, first of all, what are your thoughts? I think everyone who has played knows this is a very fast format, or at least can be. Um, 
because a lot of decks need you to be doing things on two, preferably on one. So that's yeah. what I've been looking at. Is like my, I mean, my favorite cards are always cost very little mana, so that's great for me. But yeah, this is like your dream. Um, yeah, so I think people have a tendency when you say it's a fast format to think that means like aggro is king. Like you have mm -hmm. to play aggro or you're doing something subpar. It's not really true. It just basically means like you're saying you have to prioritize one and two drops um, over four and five drops. Like there are a lot of super reasonable four and five drops in the set, but you should almost always be taking the, a one or two drop over it uh, if you can because the one and two drops are really good in the set and you just need them because you can get steamrolled. So you need, even if you're a defensive deck, like that's totally fine, but you need defensive speed. You need a good blocker on two um, or something that can trade on two. And so my experience has been like, at first the format was really fast when people were still figuring that out. Like I would play red, white, two drop, two drop, two drop. And that's how I would get most of my wins. Um, now I'm finding the like all out aggro decks are not performing as well for me because other people are prepared. Um, so I'm finding I have to like go a little bigger now to get through some of the stalls that are happening. Like other decks are stabilizing way earlier. So it's hard to get that, you know, if you're playing toxic, you need a plan to get the last three in, like you're going to get six or seven toxic from just a really good aggro draw and some like combat tricks and, and whatever the usual suspects, but it's really hard to get the last few. Whereas it used to be trivial. It'd be like, well, you weren't prepared for this and now you're dead. Mm -hmm. um, you need a plan to get those last two, three poison counters in there. So the format has kind of slowed down a bit, but it's still fast in the sense that if you're not prepared, you will get steamrolled um, if you don't have two drops. Yeah. Um, so that has been, Awesome. And of course, the pros quickly identified. We're going to go, we're going to talk about all the different color combinations when we um, really get into this. And we're going in an order by 17 Lands, which is a website where you, it like tracks tons and tons of great players, like um, limited stats and gives you the percentages of which decks do really well and which ones do poorly. Um, so, yeah, it's a really great website. If you're really interested in all this, like, data and stuff uh, it's a lot of numbers for me but jeff crunches them for me so uh he helps me out <laughs> i think um, the biggest help for it is yeah just like generally getting the which color pairs are good and which ones are less good mm -hmm. but also like sometimes you're looking at best performing commons and there's one on there that i'm like oh i never take this card um, maybe i should start at least giving it a shot and that's mostly how i use it is a lot of the top commons are like yeah I know this card's good. Everyone knows this card's good. Yes. But that's there's exactly. always like one random white card or something where you're like, really? This is like the fourth best common? Yes. I have it as like totally mid-pack. Or unplayable, like in Kamigawa. Where I'm like, I'm never <laughs> taking three. the like six mana make <laughs> three two twos scry. <laughs> I'm like, no. And then it ended up being yeah. like the best card and what you want to do. Yeah. One of the best comments in the set. Yeah, <laughs> crazy. I was like, I hate that card most of the time. Um, yeah. So anyway, you know, when if you look at that website, take everything with a grain of salt. Maybe it'll just help you out a little bit. But it doesn't. It's by no means a pick order. Uh, 
don't, don't just pick like, oh, this is the best performing card, so I should take it. Um, yeah, because that can be bad. Anyway, Jeff, the first deck that has the best performing, the best performing archetype is your favorite <laughs> one. So how about you talk about that one? Because actually the top two yeah, are your favorites, of course. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah, this was one I identified fairly early as being, this was my early pick for the best deck in the format. It seems like it's still there, according to 17 lands. Other people still have that, uh, still agree with that. But that's red, green, oil. Um, this is like a synergy deck, but it's it's a, it's kind of low to the ground. It's fast, but uh, we tend to call it mid-range because it does go a bit bigger mm -hmm. than like some of the aggro decks of the format. Um, this deck just has it all. Like It's just all really good commons, basically. And I think that's always the core of whatever the best deck in the archetype is, is the commons have to be really deep and good. And then you also need just uncommons or rares that go like that are ridiculous mm -hmm. and this deck has that i think one of the i think the best rare in the set might be miglos just because it's a three drop and it's literally impossible to be huge um yeah it's like oh you want to fight this well i can make it an eight eight so how are you going to ever beat me in combat and then i can destroy like enchantments and stuff so um, you know, and then there's Luca, one of the best cards in the set. And then the red green uncommon is unreal. It's like it's, very, very good. Um it is the so bane of my existence. Because I, I play a lot of cards so often. <laughs> I, I play a lot of like small creatures that don't I'm like, oh, three ones are great. And then they slam yeah. that uh cinder slash. It's like five 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 vigilance, deal one to everything. Okay, never mind. Oh god. Yeah. Um some cards you're looking for for this archetype. Rustfine Cultivator is a huge one. We saw people prioritize that really highly at the Pro Tour. LSV um, specifically, he had three in his deck. Um, yeah, when he took the third one, I was kind of like, I think I might have taken something else. But uh, And he didn't end up doing very well in that either. Um, right. I mean, I think he was green-white, and Rustfine Cultivator is much worse in green-white than it is in green-red. Yeah. But... Uh, um, some of the like red commons that are amazing, obviously like hex gold slash is huge because uh, yeah. early on in the format, toxic was all over the place. And there was like no toxic creature that has more than four power basically, besides the giant one that people don't play that much in rares. Um, then uh, the, your favorite barbed batter fist is yeah. huge in this deck as well as this is, so the, the sneaky one of the two drops, like Barbed Batterfist, I could tell is a good two drop because I like, you know, a three one that dies, then you have an equipment that makes something stronger. But the card that I see all over the place, and it's the one I don't want to see when I'm playing against an opponent, is the Axiom Engraver. Just like that mm -hmm. one three with the two oil counters, because most of the time that's enough to annoy me on my first play. And when I'm looking at my two drops, be like, all right. I should probably play the flyer or I should like try to play like the uh the three one toxic two so that I can fight through that card because I know that they're gonna drop right. that if they're playing red. Um yeah, that card's like deceptively good. It's what I was talking about about getting like defensive speed, just the one three blocks almost everything, and then getting mm -hmm. oil on the board early, super helpful. Plus, 
you get uh, card selection. So that's really great as well. That's the one that snuck up on me the most, I think, because it looked not yeah. great to me uh, starting out. Yeah, definitely. Um, then there's the the dog that gets plus one plus so it's like a two three trampler. It grows for your oil creatures. Um, mm -hmm. And then some of the bigger stuff that you're interested in is like the mantis. The mantis is beefy, man. It adds taxes of five four vigilance. Uh, and then the furnace strider is even not bad, which is the haste the hasty five drop. That's like where mm -hmm. you're looking to curve out at the top. Yes, that is the other card that I, <laughs> I'm like, oh, sweet, it's fine. I can attack with everything right now. And then forgetting that, of course, red green, the name of the game is like hasty creatures. Because you have like you, I will see people play. Obviously, you have um, chimney rabble, which is the goblin the three through goblin that gives brings a goblin with it. Furnace strider. And then you also get the green common um the one, it's it's a toxic creature, but still a five mana hasty four four is good enough in your deck, even if you don't care about toxic. Just having haste creatures feels it's yeah, the thing. It that, still does four damage. Yeah. That's what people forget. It's like, yeah, it's toxic three, but it's still a four four. Yeah. And that's what you that's what this deck wants it for. Is that it's a hasty four four, um, which makes it good. Yeah, I tend to think of that as like my second tier five drop if I don't get the Burnus Strider or something like that. But, yeah, because uh, having the five toughness is huge because mm -hmm. what's really kind of been seen and why this deck is the big one is because it feels in that sense where like there are core sets where the numbers matter and like you really just need power and toughness mm -hmm. on the battlefield. That's what this deck in this format can be like sometimes. And so this deck is like, yeah, we have the best power and toughness because that's what the color pair likes to do. And having a creature with five toughness is hard enough to beat. So, yeah. Definitely. The only thing I'll call out here is uh, you're looking, you really are looking for uh, free from flesh in this deck as well. That's the combat trick that gets plus two, plus two, and two oil counters. Mm -hmm. Um that's you generally want a combat trick or two in this deck and you want it to be that one if you can um some of the other one like blazing crescendo or you know titanic growth will do in a pinch but mm -hmm. uh, you should prioritize the first free from flesh fairly highly because uh, the oil counter is actually super relevant in your deck and generally your creatures are big enough the plus two plus two is enough to win combat anyways mm -hmm. that's a good uh, point also, if you happen to have the adaptive, the green uncommon that, oh, uh, yeah, yeah it just, it's plus four plus four. And then, you know, and then you get to keep two of them. So that card you should prioritize very highly as well, by the way, yeah. that's like a first pick level uncommon for this deck. Yeah. Because as formats like magic has been recently, um, you know, one drops are good. So that's why we like yeah. the Rustbind cultivator. It's a one, two. So it blocks a crawling chorus really well. Um, but most every one drop, great. Um, and that's and just honestly how... ramping into four is big too. Like just mm -hmm. getting that, uh, even just the the three three haster, the chimney rebel. It's like if you play yeah. that on three instead of four, it's huge. Suddenly your opponent's like, man, what am I going to do about this? Yeah, especially because you have a like a one one blocker. You know, it's almost better that the one one doesn't attack because you get to keep it. Right. Yeah. 
So you just, there's no real downside. Um, Reed Duke drafted like four of them in his deck. It ended up being like oh. kind of his, holy shit, I have to do something. But he was prioritizing Chimney Rabble very highly, um, yeah. which felt strange when he's like later searching for two drops. But if if you don't see a good two drop in your colors, uh, Rabble's good. Yeah, I've always loved Chimney Rabble. I thought it was funny when they were talking in the Pro Tour. I'm like, this card crept up on people. I'm like, did it? It's a 4-4 four, four for 4 in red spread across two bodies, most of which has haste. Like, mm -hmm. who was looking at this and being like, whatever? And I think the reason is that we've seen so many dorky 3-3s three for 4 mana in red mm -hmm. that have all been bad, and you just, like, your brain does that thing where you assume this is the same thing. It's just a 3-3 three, three for 4, and it's filler. It's filler crap because red has so many of that but if you actually like read the cards like this is four four for four in red is already really good and then a bunch of it has haste like this card is a ridiculous red card yeah i'm i'm the person who saw it was red and saw it was a four mana three three and then didn't want to yeah. read the rest of it <laughs> right exactly i think that's legitimately what most people that's, have happened because I, think... I was getting so many of them in the first i was literally like well i can't take my fifth chimney rabble can i <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah, I think I'm. I was definitely the one passing those because I was not super high on red. Like I, most of the time, I don't love <laughs> red, so um, that just always happens to me. And uh, well, Jeff likes to prove me wrong every single time because <laughs> I always start with red. So yeah. I'm always like, is red good? Let's let's explore that. So um, your other favorite deck and the other, the second best one uh, on seventeen lands and in your heart. Actually, I don't know. Do you like red green better than this deck? I like red green better in the sense that I think if I wanted, if I had to choose like which deck is better, I would the ideal red green deck sort of want to be. But I enjoy playing mm -hmm. red white more. Okay. Well, red white is the deck. It's the four Mirrodin equipment four deck. Four Mirrodin. Um, That's the best part of playing this deck. You get to yell that every time. Of course, your <laughs> opponent doesn't know it because it's on Arena, but... Uh... That is true. Um, but of course, all the same good red cards are here um, besides Free From Flesh, where you're not nearly as interested in that card. Um, yeah. But the Barbed Batterfist, banger, um, especially because later you're going to put it on your Furnace Strider and make it a 5-4 attacker. So, uh, yeah. annoying. Um, but we yeah, do this deck, I think, went down a bit when everyone realized that Barbed Batterfist is just good. It's not mm -hmm. just for this deck, because you used to be able to get them, like, as many really of them easy. as you wanted, pretty much, when you're drafting this. And now, yeah. now you see one, you get to take it, because you're probably not going to see another one. Yes. Um, but uh, I do like the white inclusions to this deck. Um, notably, with white, you do get Planar Disruption. feels good in this set, as well as Ossification is the uncommon, um, which is just way better. Um, but I don't feel nearly as punished as having as many. I mean, there is the the black sacrifice um, removal spell. So if you do planar disruption something, they could sack it and kill one of your things. But um, for the most part, I feel like I've been fairly down on the pacify effects. And because this format is just you're playing it to get rid of a blocker, um, tends to be uh, tends to be good because you're going to get your value right away from your attack. So that, I don't hate it. Yeah, this much. one's also pushed, right? It's two mana and shuts off activated abilities. Normally it's like 
two mana it just gets you pacifism yeah you get to pay a little extra for the ones that shut off yeah this is just well. strictly better um pacifism because you get artifacts yeah. and planeswalkers so uh right yeah this is just the new this power creep everybody it's right here right in front of our <laughs> right in front of our eyes um, um but continue jeff yeah. I've been happy with that. I like tend to prefer red removal. I think you want red removal if you can get it. Hexgold mm -hmm. slash and bolt charge. Um, and then the, obviously rebel salvo is very good in this deck. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this deck's pretty straightforward. You want the four Mirrodin equipment. Some of it's better than others, like Barbed Batter Fist is a two drop. So you want to prioritize it highly. The uncommon two drop is... Uh, good too but mm -hmm. you see it less um you can play the there's a couple that you can you can play like the two three um with the elephant yeah you never, you never want that one but you can it, play it yeah um, see that's what's interesting yeah, yeah the axe the four the mana <laughs> the four two it's just so interesting because like this deck i've tried to build it a few times i've even had like bombs for the deck and I just come up with just a pile of cards every time. It feels like <laughs> it's just never great. Um, and like obviously the the red rare, the glider, you love. Yeah, the dragon. I've I've been lucky enough to draft dragon wing uh, glider a few times, and it's like unbeatable. But mm. uh, usually you're not quite so lucky. What you are really looking for that pushes me in this deck is the uh, Hex Gold Hover Wings. Mm -hmm. That card is insane. So it makes a 3-2 flyer. It's like a snapping drake, four mana for a 3-2 flyer. Mm -hmm. But then you just equip anything else after it dies. And that's also now like a at least two power flyer, but probably more. And then just on top of that, it pumps up any other creatures you have that are equipped as well. Um, this yeah. this is the uncommon you really want, even more so than the gold double strike one, I think. Really? Uh yeah. Yeah. I, I think guess the that does make sense. wings are like how I win. Because flying is a lot better. Sometimes you have trouble dealing the last few points damage with this deck because it's an aggro deck. Mm -hmm. Um and people are used to playing aggro against aggro by now. But with blue being so like sort Weak. of decidedly the weakest color, mm -hmm. there's actually not that much flying in this format like people have a hard time blocking flyers mm -hmm. and so the hover wings is like even better than it normally would be i think yeah yeah what a pain in the butt um all of this yeah so annoying um i will say this deck really likes that against all odds sorcery yes. um which is the one that uh like link something an artifact or a creature you control and or returns an artifact or creature from your graveyard with three or less to the battlefield um, is exactly what this deck wants. Um, funny because a lot of the times when we see blink cards, they feel like um, blue-white cards in my mind. So looking right. at it, I'm like, oh, this isn't like a red card. But it, the equipment love it, of course, because you're just making new bodies and bringing back more bodies. Right. Just bodies, bodies, bodies. Yeah, it's really easy to set it up where you blink an equipment that generates another 2-2. Two, two and you return a creature, a three drop from your graveyard. Like that, that's not a dream scenario with this card. That's probably like the most, the most common outcome in this yeah. deck. Happens all the time. Um, mm -hmm. I, 
I will say, I do want to talk to you about um, just the common that like looks like it's supposed to be in this deck, but really seems not great. But like the Leonin Lightbringer is like mm -hmm. the card says, put equipment on me. And I am always really excited when my opponent plays it because it hasn't done anything. Yeah. Yeah, that card's kind of filler, even in this deck when it's on theme. Yeah. Um, it's not even like the three drop I'm looking for for this deck. Exactly. I prefer the uh, um, the the like almost any of the other ones. Like the the dog is pretty bad in this deck, but mm -hmm. the three two that gets oil counters when stuff dies and you can remove blockers. That right. card's perfectly serviceable. And uh, um, there's one other one that's like a pretty pretty generic three drop but I actually like better than the the Leonin mm -hmm. but you know what the Leonin does it does its thing because in this deck three is your weakness I think you have lots of great like you have two drops because you're drafting the barbed batter fists mm -hmm. and you have plenty of options at four I mean you basically always want them to be the, the hasty guy and then you have like some mm -hmm. options at five, but there's not anything that's super good at three at common. That's mm -hmm. like amazing for the stack. There's some uncommons, but um, so you play, you end up playing this card, but uh, don't read it and say like, oh, it says equipment on it, so yeah. it must be a slam dunk in the stack. It's just okay. I don't know. Yeah, it, it's a card that can pick up a sword, but you know you'll get this super late. Um, oh, oh, that's what I was going to say. You want the other one that makes equipment cheaper. That's the one you really want. Oh, yeah, yeah. That yeah. will also usually go around. The red one. Yeah, um, nobody else wants that card. So that's one of the advantages of, of this deck is it's it's Menace, so it holds equipment well. It lets you double spell on four a lot. Mm -hmm. Like, that's often what happens. Or on four or five, you get to double spell. And then, uh, yeah, just the fact that it has Menace is pretty relevant. Yeah. Um, so our next deck is a deck I played a lot and was my favorite yes. and came <laughs> out quickly as the deck I thought was the best and what everyone wanted to be drafting, which is, of course, what I've been talking about every time I've been able to talk about Phyrexia, <laughs> which is green-white toxic aggro. Um, mm -hmm. This is the one that just wants to get you dead with toxic. Uh, white can get you the first couple ones, green hits you with a bunch of creatures or a bunch of big toxic points, usually trampoly toxic things. And um, then hopefully, like you were saying, for the last bits of toxic, a lot of times in green, it can just be like a proliferate something because um, there happen to be good creatures, commons in particular, that uh, proliferate for you. Um, of course, you want Crawling Chorus at the beginning. Um, like turn one planes Crawling Chorus is a great way to to make your opponent groan because uh <laughs> yeah like you can attack into all the time it, well attacking into barb batter fist is awesome because they just yep. never want to trade with this stupid thing because they get another token which is great um really love that as well as like going one drop like crawling chorus into two drop which is the three one toxic two the green one and then flensing raptor so you can make it fly and then hit them for it and then you're just chipping in for one toxic every turn with a flanking raptor. I really love that kind of stuff. Really my jam. Um, but it also puts you in a place where like 
you get to play Skralv if you open it. And if you get a lot of like the, the rare toxic good cards, like the Contaminator and the Rat Priest, uh, playing any of those feel awesome, especially in this set. Um, yeah. Uh, for green cards, we didn't talk about for the other one, which this is like one of the best green commons and is basically in any green deck. You want the pig. You want the boar, the contagious Vorak. Um, it's the three mana three three that lets you get a land off the top uh, from the top four cards. And if you don't pick a land, you get to proliferate. But a lot of it is, you know, the classic green has a card, the three mana draw card, basically. Um, or yeah. start killing them at the end of the game. That is just what the doctor ordered. Yeah, uh, that's a good call out. You should take those in red green as well. Any any green deck like Zaxxon. Mm -hmm. um, it's just ridiculous. Like three, three, draw a card for three at common. Like, what does the world come to? I remember back, you know, not, it doesn't feel like that long ago, but Centaur Courser was like an above rate green common. It's just a three, three for three. And this was like, You'd be happy to or pick a centaur courser fairly early because you're mm -hmm. like, yeah, this is like one of the best green comments. Um, and this card just like laughs at centaur courser. Um, yep. So again, power creep, I guess. We have like super pacifism and super courser now. Um, but this is still, this is in contention for best common in the set. I think a lot of people have it there. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think I'm off Hex Gold Slash being the best common yet. I had that pretty early, and I'm still just like loving Hex Gold Slash. Well, Jeff, how about I play this for you? So, which one beats the other one? Uh huh. Huh. So, uh... <laughs> can you Hex Gold Slash this? You can't, or I guess you can, but you need to two for one yourself. Um, yeah, it's, it's generally a bad play to Hex Gold Slash because it's. <laughs> Two double hex gold slash this is like getting three for one because they drew the land. Because they drew the land. Uh -huh. Um so this is one of the cards that the pros um at the Pro Tour were looking for, and there was a big talk of it over the um, Pro Tour weekend. Um so now it's much harder to find them, which is the fun thing where like uh this was creeping up on my list of like, oh, this card seems great. And then as soon as the Pro Tour happens, now I can't find any of them. So what are you gonna do? I will say if I see them late, like if I'm in this deck, if there's a really good toxic option, I'll often take the toxic card because you just need a critical mass of things that mm -hmm. stay toxic. The Where the pig really shines is like early in the draft. It's going to go in your deck if you're green. Mm -hmm. So if you haven't decided, oh, I'm toxic, toxic or I'm or oil, oil or whatever, like yeah. you just take the, the pig and you know that that card is going to be a good card in any green deck. Mm -hmm. whether that's you know black green or blue green red green or green white but once i'm solidly in green white there are some toxic cards that would take over it like probably crawling chorus even though the boar is probably like a quote-unquote overall better comment than the chorus mm -hmm. um you just like like you said having chorus on one on the play is so ridiculous in the stack that um, i think that upside is just worth it and the 3-3 three, three doesn't contribute to your game plan. It's sort of just blocking. And like, it's still a body that draws you a card and that can only be so bad, but it's just, it's less good in this deck when the 3-3 three, three body doesn't like help you kill them. Yeah. 
um this is of the toxic decks this is the one <laughs> that can play more of the how are you gonna die game where your opponent mm -hmm. has to try to figure out am i going to be die from toxic or am i going to die from damage and you can play with that a little bit because you can play these big green creatures where the other toxic decks can't leverage that as much um yeah just because you have advantage like with these strong things and the titanic growth where sometimes you just kill them when they're only because sometimes the thing that will happen with the toxic is that people just start they they put you on toxic when they say see like crawling chorus and then they don't really look at their life total anymore they're just seeing how many how much toxic are they getting and so sometimes you can just get them out of nowhere because they're not even and it's happened to me too where i'm like playing and I just look at the, how much toxic do I have? And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I just died of damage. I just like left myself to die to damage. I shit, I didn't even yeah. realize. Because um, I started to like only block the creatures with toxic. So um, that's what this deck can do. So this card is one of the reasons why it's like, you can kind of get people. Um and of course, late game, it can help you get eight, nine, and ten toxic uh, if you just don't need it lands anymore. Right. Um, but that's enough about that pig. Uh, ultimately, this is just one of my favorite decks because I want to play <laughs> toxic and I want to play um, like having a two drop with toxic two is really big. It's even a three one, which I love. Um, and also, like this deck will play, you can play Dune Mover, which is the artifact, the 2-1 the toxic one that gets a land yeah. that puts it on top of your library. Heard is way more playable than I thought when I first read it. I thought it was hot garbage. I, I actually horrible. play it fairly often. <laughs> yeah. And so one of the reasons why I don't like Axiom Engraver, well, I don't like seeing it, is because I like playing Dune Mover and that card just straight up dies. <laughs> so yeah, that bugs me a lot. Yeah. Um, but it is really nice just because it gives you toxic on two and, you know, you want to hit all your land drops and get up to five so you can, you know, hasty four for them or do any of your other shenanigans that you're going to be doing toxic wise. Um, but this is my favorite deck and the one that I'm usually going in looking for. And I would rather play this deck over any of the other ones, even though I'm sure 17 lands is right, that the other ones are better. <laughs> Um, yeah. I do agree that green, I think, is the strongest color, which, you know, it's kind of showing that red is probably the strongest, but I would put this in my own personal scale. I'd put it probably up in front of, like, I'm never going to, drafting the the Vermeerden deck has never gone well for me. So it's like so yeah. off my radar now that I'm like, I, I See, can't I just do it had again. so much early success with that that I'm like, the Vermeerden deck is unbeatable. Yeah. Uh, and I haven't opened the the glider so i don't know what it's like um anyway <laughs> it's it's nice it's nice yeah i bet um but yeah besides that every toxic card is great uh the one thing with this is beware of taking too many plague nurses um yeah that card don't don't value it too highly it'll come around to you one is probably fine and you have to make sure you have a bunch of toxic of course yeah because I, I don't think playing nurse is particularly good um, mm -hmm. i actually thought it was, i assumed it was pretty good at the start of the format it's like mm -hmm. it reads well it's like toxic too and oh i can like stack more toxic triggers mm -hmm. um it just things don't tend to play out that way there's a lot of other cards that are better than it so exactly don't prioritize it you pick one up late you probably play it but mm -hmm. um, yeah don't it's just not as good as it looks yeah 
because uh, most of the time you have something better to do um, right. with your mana than spend three to give all your toxic creatures plus one. So, uh, plus I one really toxic. like the duelist personally. I I like the duelist oh. in red white as well. By the way, it holds equipment super well. Well, it has the word double strike on it, so yeah. <laughs> oh no, sorry. I mean the the like one that is first. Oh, sorry, the first striker one. No, no, no. I like the um the double striker which is not jawbone duelist, yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah he, obviously that one's good too um in both decks but i think that mm -hmm. one's uncommon yes i like the the common one i just think it's a it's a solid little two drop and unless they have axiom engraver nobody wants to block it so it's it's sort of like a, a nice way to get your um pretty toxic early you're toxic in and a lot of the time i'll attack into axiom engraver and they won't block because of the complete uh devotion mm -hmm. card or whatever that's like plus two plus two a draw card and thing um so that's a little little tip is it it really matters that you attack before you play anything and like do do things properly in this deck because people will not block because that card is such a blowout mm -hmm. um, yeah complete devotion is like exactly what you need in this deck um just because obviously combat tricks that draw you cards are great. That's why everyone likes the 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 red one uh, that mm -hmm. like kind of draws you a card. Uh, you only get it for a certain amount of time, but most of the time when you look at an attack that looks suspicious, blazing crescendo. So you're you're like they've got it. Like you, right. if it looks like they have it, they have it. That's what happens with most players on arena. Um, there's less bluffing, I think, that goes on. Um, if it looks like they got it, they got it. So. Watch out for both of those because they're rough. Um, but this one's the the one we'll be probably be remembering for years to come. Cause uh <laughs> ugh boy. Um great. Well, Jeff, uh do you want to move on to our next deck into our toxic friend? <laughs> Another toxic deck. Yeah. It goes really close to it. Um, so this is the um white black deck um which mm -hmm. also likes complete devotion um and is my second favorite deck <laughs> because it's playing white and black and this one cares more about getting like corrupted so you want three toxic on your opponent so having a really low curve is really important because you want to get that quickly so that all your cards kind of turn on but no i so this is the first time we're talking about black and mm -hmm. I did want to ask you about this card because it looks pretty low. And I'm I'm looking at this list on 17 lands. I'm looking at the game in hand win rate for all the commons. Mm -hmm. And the card that I love for this deck is way lower than I was thinking. But it also makes okay. sense that nobody is like drafting it. But it's one of the reasons why I've been able to win so many times with this, or I do well, is the Pestilent Siphoner which is the two minute one, one flyer with toxic just because oh. I like it because it's like, it feels like guaranteed toxic. I'm like, now I just put you on a clock and I love that feeling. Um, and for whatever yeah. reason, it seems like people don't like it or just, it. I just see them all over the place. And then I maybe take too many, but a lot of time it just feels good. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. I'm surprised to hear that it's super low because I like that card a lot as well, especially in this deck. Yeah, and in black green, actually. Yeah. Um, maybe it's just because it only goes in half the decks, like pretty bad. And 
I mean, blue-black is just bad, I guess. So you, yeah. And you don't really play it in blue or black-red, so maybe that's why. Obviously, like, Anoint with Affliction is amazing, but this card makes it so good. It's also just, yeah. like, a great two-drop that feels great. I don't know. I, I value it a lot higher than Blight Belly Rat, which is the two-mana two-two that Nesogs is winning. I love the rat. I proliferate. Love I mean, I like the rat too, and I really want to, but like when I have my opening hands, I want to see mm -hmm. the siphoner more than the rat. I like having the rat around because every once in a while you get the situation where like they can't attack you anymore because you have too many proliferate on dies triggers. But right. early in the game, I want the the siphoner. So anyway, very interesting to see. Um yeah, that for I me. really like the siphoner um in this deck too so maybe the data's wrong <laughs> the, the data's wrong um <laughs> but to be fair i haven't drafted a ton of white black i think it's one of those decks for me that other people like more than i do which mm -hmm. means i you end up in it like a really disproportionately low amount of the time because it's true you just you don't i don't want to you know third or fourth pick of like belly rat really and other people are going to do that and then i don't end up in this deck mm -hmm. um, i've lost to this deck plenty so i like acknowledge that it's good but i haven't i don't have a ton of experience drafting it myself i when i have drafted it i try to do like let's get a bunch of two drops that have toxic right mm -hmm. and then let's try to get some like cleansing raptors to get them in the air to make sure we get those toxic counters in there I obviously really like the Death Touch Uncommon 1-1 one, because one, mm -hmm. um, that gets the Toxic Rolling and Crawling Chorus similarly because you really are just trying to get to three here and then all of your cards become like super-powered cards. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't have any like super deep insights into this deck because I probably only drafted it a couple of times. Yeah. Uh, I will say that like it's the same type of recipe of like make sure you have a bunch of toxic creatures and and do all that fun stuff um surprisingly on this 17 lands list cruel grim narc is very high um that must just be cut be oh, because yes. um when it's it, when people put it in their deck and actually play it they probably win uh but for right. the most part i'm assuming 17 land users are not drafting this card and putting it in their deck so um the, the people who actually put it in their deck must have a very specific reason. That's what I'm assuming, because I don't think you should be playing that card. Um, yeah, that's what that's an example of what I was talking about earlier, where there will randomly just be like a card that you think is terrible. Yeah, uh, ranks ranks surprisingly highly. Not uh, not my favorite. So, um, but random things with this deck that you do get. I don't know how much they splash into the blue black deck, um, but some of their just random spells have uh, give your opponent opponent a poison counter on them. Like Vraska's Fall, and um, you have Infectious Inquiry, um, which I do like quite a bit, um, just because a draw spell, get, like getting um, a draw spell when you're we're playing these aggressive decks is nice, especially when it also like essentially deals two damage to your opponent. Um, they having one of them is nice. It's not like a necessity, but I do like. Well, this is what I'm trying to say. I like Inquiry because you're drawing a card. I don't like Vraska's Fall because letting them sacrifice a creature. There are too many stupid Might tokens around 
and like yeah. whatever's Grasses falls real bad. That's real bad. So don't. So when you look at both of those cards, it looks like, oh great, they add poison counters. Perfect. I like get one inquiry and then probably don't play Vraska's Fall. Uh, right. That's what I have to say about that. Um, yeah, I, I generally don't play inquiry either, but um, I haven't played. Like I said, I haven't played a ton of this deck. I just haven't seen that it's like. And a way close to the bottom, like fourth <laughs> worst common, and I did I just really disagree with that. So I, I think it's like okay. middle. I'll pick up one super late, but yeah, when it's down close to like cutthroat centurion and like duress, I'm like, no, <laughs> duress. Yeah. it's not that bad. Um. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. When you know, when I sit down to a draft, I'm looking at white cards and am I going to go green or am I going to go black? And that's what I usually try to do. Uh, and then somehow I start playing blue. So I think this deck is geez, yeah. <laughs> this deck like lends itself well to bombs too. There are a lot of really good white rares in the set. Mm -hmm. um, and this deck is like a little more equipped to take advantage of those than red, white, and green, white, which are more aggressive. Um, so like stuff like, you know, the Eternal Wanderer, while it's going to go be awesome in any white deck, it's particularly good in this one because this one can play a more defensive game if you want it to. Um, same with like, you know, the Zeniths, or sorry, the Twilights. Twilights. Um, because the white, well, both of the Twilights are really good, um, with this, as well as you have Kaya can be around too. Right. Kaya is um, ridiculous. Yeah. And these are just rares. Like when you're talking about the green red deck, when you're talking about Luca, that's a mythic. So it's like, you know, yeah, exactly. maybe not as much. When you see a white deck attack you with all their creatures, you, you just should just be like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> block okay. everything, block the everything. They have the twilight, yeah. they're going to blow up the whole board. So, yeah, yeah, I've had that happen. So, that's one of the too. reasons I would end up in this deck is there's also like the there's like a white black rare that. Is kind of crazy and makes a bunch of tokens and gives them all really. Ensemble, so, so I don't really like that card. Um, oh, it's so good. The format I've only lost three it. four. I've only gotten like smoked by it, so I haven't seen it in situations where it was not good. I guess. Yeah, so it's like it kind of sets. It has weird setup turns where like you play it and it does nothing, and then it only pumps your creatures when it attacks. And then before you attack, you have to like choose a creature that's not going to deal damage to your opponent. Right. So like you make weird attacks where you're like, hey, I'm going to attack you. You're going to like not take four damage. I'm going to get four one ones that can't block. And it, it, I, I've just, I have lost to it. So I know it's like still good, but that a lot of the time it was because it was a three four. <laughs> it was like that's why this is strong. I can't attack into it, but. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't. Uh, I would not. I wouldn't pack one, pick one that card, and be like, "Sweet, this is what I wanted," as opposed to like. No, but if I was like in white and I saw that card, that might push me into white, black into black, or something like that. Sure, I think that's um, how I tend to get into this deck. Is either the uncommon because mm -hmm. the uncommon is really good if you can turn it on. Yes, um, or so, just like rares, getting the rares and then being like, "All right, well." You know, if I get a Kaya, I'm going white black. If I get if I'm in black and I see Wanderer or or a Zenith, the white Zenith, I'm like, yep, I guess I'm white black. You know, like that's what tends to happen yeah. for this deck. 
And what happens to me is that I uh, somehow am playing blue red and then I open Kaya pack three <laughs> and Classic. I take it and don't play it. Ugh. Anyway. Splash it. Yeah. Double white, double black in my. <laughs> I have to have so many like prophetic prisms for that to work. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway. Um, all the decks we just talked about are quite deadly. And those are the ones that I tend to be thinking about in my mind when I go in, when you, you know, look at, choose your hand and you see the first land drop, I'm trying to figure out which one of those four decks tends. That's usually what I'm thinking. Um, yeah, this is like a reasonable cutoff where mm -hmm. these are the decks you, like you said, want to be in before, be like beforehand. You'd prefer to end up in one of these four. Yeah. So two green decks, two white decks, two red decks, one black deck, zero blue decks. That's right. <laughs> we may have some things to say about that after the beer break. But Jeff, let's go to the beer yeah. break, and we'll be back with the rest of the decks. This beer break is brought to you by our patrons over on Patreon. That's right. You're already supporting the show just by listening. But if you want to support the show even more, well, Patreon is the best way to do that. Plus, you get to vote on which co-host is your favorite by clicking the Buy Jeff a Beer button. Or the Buy Zach a Beer button. So go to patreon.com slash regulars to vote on your favorite host. And if you'd rather send us beer emojis rather than real-life beers, that's great too. We welcome those as well. Do so on the Arena Regulars Discord channel. You can find the link in our show notes. That is right. All righty, Jeff. I got a hefty beer for you tonight. Whoa, baby. Big old, big, big old. Big Yeah. So this is, thanks for taking the name away from me. <laughs> um, hey, I didn't say that was the name. That's true. That's true. So this is uh, Fatality. It is from Level Beer in Portland, Oregon. Um, and it is their barrel-aged Imperial Stout. So, yeah, it's 11.5%. Here we go. You ready? Let's crack it up. Yeah. Um, as we were looking at this can right before this moment, um, we saw that it is barn brewed in Portland, Oregon, mm -hmm. which I was not familiar with. Um, Jeff, you're you're familiar with this, right? <laughs> I am now <laughs> that you uh, googled it <laughs> during the break. So apparently, being a barn beer means that you need to use all local ingredients. And apparently you also need to use um, your fermentation needs to be coming from like a local honey source, uh, some sort of culture from that. Um, basically getting local yeast, I guess, and, and local ingredients. So very cool. Let's check it out if this Portland beer uh, is any good, but I'm assuming it is. I also brought it all the way from Portland. Um, Level beer is actually pretty cool. All of their, obviously, their beers are like video game themed. So this is Mortal Kombat, of course. Um, yeah. Fantastic. I've had a couple of the other ones Someone as well. I've played a lot of Mortal Kombat uh, in my day. I appreciate this. Yes, it is the secret layer we on the Arena Regulars are waiting for the most. So I've never right. bought a secret layer, but if they did a Mortal Kombat one, I would look at the cards and print them out. Uh on my computer. Right. I was like, I don't know if I would buy it, but I would definitely actually read the cards. Yes, for sure. Oh, man. Alrighty. Mm. 
Okay. Mm. Yep. Fatality. <laughs> they should make one that's also a brutality to... too. I was just about to say they need like all of them, right? They need a mini one that's like fatality. Yeah. You know, in like Mortal Kombat when they just went crazy with all of every anything they could possibly think of. It was literally like you turn your opponent into a baby. You know? Yeah. Right. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I haven't played Mortal Kombat in a long time. Uh because I got really deep into it when the new one came out. And then uh, I quickly fell away. But it was I went pretty hard. Um, a lot of fun. Good game. That was a good one. Or yeah. I'm at 11, right? 11. Real nice. All right, Jeff. Let's talk about the rest of the decks up um, for us. So we're going to go into a couple different ones. I know a bit less about some of these just because they don't come up nearly as often. Like, I don't play against them as much. And I've played yeah. them myself uh, fewer times as well because I'm not uh, yeah, hoping. We'll a little less to say about the worst decks as we did with better decks. Yeah. <laughs> Um, interesting enough uh, that blue white artifacts is the next up and like the fifth best deck on 17 lands um, probably because white is such a great color but um, some of the artifact strategies don't I mean like the uncommon for the white blue one the flyer that gets pumped by all the artifacts absolutely that's like very good that's when you're going to be really happy to be in it and having a bunch of random creatures that incidentally give you artifacts. The mites are all artifacts. Don't forget that. Uh, yep. Ends up being quite helpful. But overall, um, this is not one that I fall into, but uh, I'm not always against, I guess, what I could say about it. So interestingly, I play against this deck a lot. I think for whatever reason, like people just like this deck. So even though it's not necessarily that good, yeah, um, you know, like you you say you love green white. Green white is also very good. Mm -hmm. This deck is like kind of mid pack, mid tier. I don't even know if I would have had it this high, but you know the data says it's fifth. Um, but people like it, I think, um, and maybe it's just because blue is always open, so it's easier to fall into. That's probably. True. I have legitimately never drafted this deck myself. I never, I never do it. I think what happens also is that, like, if you are drafting, like, for Mirrodin cards that are white, and then red ends up getting, like, drying up, you switch to blue. Right. So you could yeah. be, like, your backup plan if your for Mirrodin deck doesn't come together. Um, that makes sense. So I can definitely see that. Um, of, like, the two drops, um, we didn't talk about this card earlier. Um, this deck probably wants you to be playing, like, Mandible Justicar, which is, like, the the... Two mana, two one with lifelink that gets bigger when artifacts come into play. Um, that one I don't like nearly as much, but the one that in like isn't really part of this deck, but people think it is. It's really part of like the um, white black deck that we didn't talk about earlier, which is Incisor Glider, which is mm. awesome. Incisor yeah. Glider is fantastic, and in this deck, for whatever reason, like. Of course, I'm drafting Toxic, so if I fall into this deck, it's because I can't get black or green cards, so then I end up like right. falling it. I've played it a couple times, and like maybe having that weird off chance that you can get Corrupted just so your like, three incisor gliders work um, is really helpful, but like still, two mana, one three, flying. We already talked about how Axiom 
grave engraver is good because it's a one three that just can block. This one also yeah. has like you can just attack every turn and it holds equipment very well. And it's an artifact for this. And it's an artifact. Right? So um yeah the glider is very good and uh I like it in both green white and white black. Mm -hmm. um, but particularly in white black. Um I yeah it's exactly the same. I see a lot of people playing it in this deck. I think it's fine, but mm -hmm. you it's not like a priority for the stack to pick them up because like you said, you're almost never going to get corrupted. Get there. Mm -hmm. So I think the biggest thing for me about white blue, and this is pretty common for a lot of these middle tier decks, you know, what, what separates the decks we talked about before the break from these ones, I don't want to play white blue at all, unless I have the uncommon mm -hmm. and maybe like two of them. Um, then it starts to be like, oh, okay, now my deck's really good. But I think the commons just aren't really there to put this deck together. So you need a reason. And that reason is usually going to be the, the signpost uncommon, mm -hmm. which we mentioned is very good. Part of that is, like we said before, five toughness is huge, huge. in this format. And so even when it's just like a one five, it's still fine. <laughs> like you have mm -hmm. no other artifacts somehow. You're still relatively happy with it so obviously scales up to two five three five flyers like just an absolutely board dominating creature in this format um so to me that's like the reason you have to the stars kind of have to align for me i have to be trying to draft some other white deck getting cut like you said and then i pick up the white blue uncommon then maybe i'll i'll be like all right this is what we're doing yeah um, but that's the reason I never end up in this deck because I feel like sort of a specific sequence of events has to happen during the draft for me to to get here. Yeah, I think another thing that could happen is that um, you do, and how I'll find myself leaning towards it sometimes is that if I'm going toxic but going wide with toxic, so I'm I'm have cards like Charge of the Mites already um, that I've drafted. I have like Indoctrination Attendant that bounces something and makes you a one one might. Um, that will lead me into like an artifact strategy just because all the tokens are already artifacts. And so like Basilica Shepherd or something like that, where I end up mainly white going into blue a little bit for like the, uh, like the uh, signpost uncommon, like you were saying, or, or whatever else, but not going deep into some of the blue artifact strategies, which feel a little right. bit more like a mono blue deck to me. Um, yeah. But, um, and I do agree that it's all about the uncommons. Like, if you're really going hard artifacts, even the mono blue artifact deck, like, you need all the blue uncommons because the blue commons are, like, mm -hmm. so trash. So, like, right. you need the blue uncommon that uh, um, animates something into a 4-4. So you can turn a mite into yes. a 4-4 or um, anything else. Um, Escaped Experiment is, like, a card you see a lot that's, like, the uh, the common that, like, it can be aggressive and I've seen situations where it's good, but for the most part, um, this so deck bad. just doesn't, it, it's not always aggressive enough for it to be fantastic. Um, so yeah. I'm not super, super excited by that. Um, uh, Unctus uh, Retrofitter is the card I'm talking about that animates something. Yes. Um, and the eye like, also, anytime my opponent plays the eye, I'm like, okay, this game's going to be much yeah. easier for me to win now. Because you just spent a card on the eye. 
<laughs> yeah, you spent your three drop on something, especially when that's the first card they played, or they played like mm -hmm. um, Prophetic Prism into Eye of Mal Malcolm. Exactly. Yeah, you're like that's the dream start for me if my opponent does that. <laughs> and if that's what their deck is built to do, it's really bad. Like I don't think the Eye is unplayable, but like it shouldn't be your game plan. It should be like your twenty third card where you're like, I just need another right. artifact. Like that's mm -hmm. what the Eye should be. Um, it just it doesn't feel really <laughs> strong enough. Like, I already don't love those. Like, anytime there's a creature that is like a, a statue or whatever, and you have to do something to animate it, if it doesn't have, yeah, have haste or something, it just it ends up being terrible. Um, so I think there was one in semi recent memory that was decent. It was Crimson Bell. Blood Token one. Yeah, or something? yeah, it was yeah, Crimson Bell. Yeah. yeah, that that one was really good, but I think that one got haste, right, or something like that. I feel it, like it. Yeah, did. exactly. The rest, they're almost always crap. <laughs> yeah. Because um, half spending a card to block is like, like you don't want, like your dream scenario in that deck, like are you really thinking that you're going to hold up the Prowler to like tap down a creature and then animate your thing? Right. And then they like decide not to attack anymore? It just, I don't know. I It doesn't play out that way. Very no. Um, so if you're looking at that type of strategy, it's really like if you see the retrofitter and you're like, okay, I will take the retrofitter because that card is actually good and it can turn my whatever might I made from whatever random white card into a 4-4 attacker that they like can't ignore. Um, yeah. So that's what I would say. The I also wanted to talk about Unctus's retrofitter and I, this is probably the best time to talk about it. So this is the... Mm -hmm the three mana two three that animates something but something i forget all the time is that it itself has toxic because it's phyrexian and mm -hmm. i wish it didn't i there's not really a time where i wish a card didn't have toxic but this card would be mm -hmm. a lot better because then it doesn't die to hex gold slash yes. and that is one of the big blowouts is that you spend like turn two playing a prophetic prism or, or something that's going to be reanimated or sorry, not reanimated, something that's going to be animated into a four, four. Then you play that animated attack and then they just hex gold slash for one mana yes. and undo your whole deck. And you're like, it's See, I've been on that side of it a lot. The one playing mm -hmm. the hex gold slash. And it's always like, oh, I'm going to have to kill this stupid thing. Ah, oh, damn it. It's a two, three. Oh, wait, it has toxic though. It's like the same exact sequence every time. Cause I don't play against it often enough to remember mm -hmm. Um, but whatever I, I do, it's always that same train of thought. Like, damn, I wish I could slash this, but it has three toughness. Oh, but wait, for some reason it has toxic. Woohoo, die. Yeah. <laughs> I, I get the like, and every, like, there have been random times where I've like attacked with it and it ended up helping me proliferate them to toxic and they die, but I'm forgetting. But overall, it feels super rare. <laughs> it, it's just a downside because the entire artifact deck is not really trying to do that yeah. i don't like it it's just like uh score one more a, point for hex gold i know thing. it's like a it's a flavor <laughs> thing yeah um because yeah. the other phyrexian things like transplant theorist that's a two four doesn't care it doesn't have toxic why it's a phyrexian without toxic that's fine why does this one have toxic that card, I, that card i just don't understand like when i read it the first time i was like oh so this is the payoff uncommon for the artifacts deck and then i read it and i'm like it lets me like loot this i just feel so underwhelmed by it like why is this couldn't it have been a little more pushed than this like a two four that 
once you loop when you play an artifact. This feels so like wah wah. Yeah. Yes. 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 <laughs> um so we're getting into the blue cards that make you feel sad. Um yeah. There's a lot of those. And every time I would read it at the start of the format, I'm like, I have to be reading this wrong. Like, why, why doesn't this do more when it's asking so much of me to like make my whole deck artifacts? Uh, yeah. Um, the one thing, and I know you disagree with me on this one, but Malkator's Watcher, which is the two mana one one flying vigilance. That's awful. That's that's an artifact. This card is good. You should play this card. It <laughs> dies right, into a card. I'm going to go see what 17 lands. It's probably horrible, I'm assuming. Let's go check it out. Um, but it, it dies into a card, so you, and you can trade with a batter fist or anything. You don't feel that bad about it. And then you just have like a Vigilance yeah, Attacker really every turn. Yeah, look at that. It's the the third top common. There you go, for blue. Okay, but it's the third top blue common. Let's settle let's, that. It's probably like <laughs> pretty bad overall. The eye is fifth. Look at that. Yeah, that's <laughs> the, the watcher's not that much better than the eye. <laughs> the watcher is so much better than the eye. Um, but um, anyway, I like it because it's an artifact for all those strategies that you need. It's a attacking flyer, which is good. It, animating this into a 4 4 is really good. Um, and then if they end up using a removal spell on it, you draw a card. All those things I end up liking. And this deck needs two drops. Because, like I've said a bunch of times, Prophetic Prism is a card you will play a lot, and you need a creature that's a two-drop. Um, and this goes right into your deck when you can't get your incisor glider. So anyway, that was a lot more uh, talking about uh, white-blue artifacts than I thought. Um, but we can keep rolling through. Uh, Jeff, do you want to talk about Black-Red? Because you, I'm assuming, have, have sure tried do. this more than I have. I sure do. So, you know, I was saying I never drafted white blue and that other people draft it more than they probably should just because they like it. This that this deck is that for me. Mm. I acknowledge that it's not that good a deck. Uh, you know, it's mid-pack is where I had it, and that's where it's ending up. Um, but I like it. You know, red black's my favorite color pair. I like the sacrifice strategies. So I always end up in this deck a lot more often than I should. So I know pretty well how it works. The thing off the top here is that, um, you know, it's oil counters, sacrifice is the theme, but the sacrifice effects are all so bad that like, you just don't really do the sacrifice thing. Like, mm -mm. I'm not going to play the stupid 2-2, two -two, okay? I'm not going to play that card. That card's so, terrible, the Centurion. <laughs> it's like probably, other than Duress, it's probably the worst black common. It um, it just it's disgusting. It it's just like a Nantucko husk that just just crawled up and died. It's so sad. I know it's so embarrassing comparing it to Nantucko husk. Um, yeah, so like the dream in the black red deck is always oh we're gonna active treason your thing, we're gonna attack you for a bunch, and then we're gonna sack it for huge benefit. And because sacrificing a creature is like traditionally in limited a fairly hefty price to pay. Sack outlets usually do something really good. They just don't in this set. They're just no really great sack outlets that let you repeatedly sack stuff for a lot of value. Like mm -hmm. the rat is good, but you need them to be corrupted. And this deck doesn't play toxic. So it's like, it looks like the rat's supposed to go in this deck, except it's just a one four in this deck. 
So that's kind of why this deck is only mid-pack. It just doesn't have the payoffs. They're just not really there. Um, the reason you end up in this deck is similar to white blue. It, there are strong uncommons. So if you get some really strong uncommons and you just get good red removal spells and good black cards, um, that's kind of how you end up here. Mm -hmm. I like I love the the signpost uncommon for this deck is very, very strong. If you get a few of them, which you can because people don't love this deck, um, that's kind of why you end up here. I think I had a few decks early in the format that were just like ridiculous versions of this deck that had like four charboilers and a bunch of other stuff and then some rares and like so I had a really inflated perception of how good this deck was and I played it. That's one of the reasons I still like think so highly of it. Um, but ultimately, yeah, you, you need uncommons. You need like a reason to be doing this because the sacrifice thing is just weak. The, the yes. cards are just not good. Yeah. yeah. Yep. That's basically what I have to say about that. I do like Awaken the Sleeper. Uh, and one of my little bingo card things is I want to be able to be playing against a, a equipment deck and gain control yeah. of their thing that has all the stuff and blow up all the equipments on it. But uh, that hasn't happened so far because I'm usually dead by the time I have four mana. So, um, <laughs> um, yeah, I uh, I haven't really tried this deck and none of all the ones I've seen, even when they have Charforger and they have this stuff and it always just looks horrible. Like, just to, to, to me. I mean, like, I was also playing opponents that I don't think understood what they should be doing and um, they, yeah. they were still trying to play the dream like they weren't trying to win the game anymore it seemed like they were just trying to play the the dream and so yeah and i could kind of sense that in the way that things were going about where it's like i think you should be a little bit more aggressive and try to trade off more because you have a char forger and so you should you would want your creatures to die so you can or, or trade with my creatures so that uh the board gets empty and you get to draw more cards and just outvalue me and then add oh, room exactly. me out but they they were just kind of holding back, and it was very it was strange, um, just because I think they were just waiting for the dream steel sack thing, and it just wasn't happening. So, um, yeah, you're exactly right. You want to be trading off, and mm -hmm. that's where like some of the equipment that's not maybe like the axe is a little better here than it is in other stuff because you tend to have a few goblin tokens floating around. Um, a play that I make really often is equipping a goblin token with the barbed batter fist mm -hmm. to get it to die and get an oil camera on my because the sack outlets are so bad this is what I've, I've resorted to it's like just you're equipping a one one with a plus one minus one are you, you building uh, your old skull clamp <laughs> that's right it's, it's like the world's worst skull clamp where yeah. I put my goblin token I get an oil counter on my char forge <laughs> uh, like a third of a card yeah what is but, that two more and, and then you need you need three or two <laughs> I can't remember. Three. Three. three, yeah. So like, oh, a third of the weight of the card. Sick. That's right. Uh, and I almost always have the like red artifact that puts oil counters on upkeep on oh. stuff and makes goblins. I... That's that's the kind of shit we're talking about. Like a lot of hoops to jump through for like medium power level. <laughs> like almost nothing. I am not yeah. a big fan of um of that uh that thing. I only play it in this deck, and it's mostly just for like funsies because yeah. Uh, I think it's just cool to have that like engine going. Yeah, uh, I think that your definition of fun might be a little bit different than mine. Um, yeah. Mainly because 
when I play that card, I lose and I feel bad and I don't have fun. Um, I never get yeah. a cool engine going because I also probably didn't draft one. So, um, <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, black red uh, deck super fun, but don't you're not looking to get into it. It's kind of like a second option if you see the uncommons or rares that like guide you there. Yeah. Um, I want to jump to a deck I actually know what's going on with, and I also sure. think is way too low on this list, which is for whatever reason. Green Black being second last on the 17 lands list. I don't know what is going on with 17 lands users thinking that Green Black is horrible or losing with it or what. Now, to be fair, as I'm talking about this, I did just build a deck that I thought was a busted Green Black deck and I went 03. So, but I've also <laughs> got 7 0. So, you know, it's back and yeah. forth. Um, but I think this deck is much higher than that and probably above the Black Red deck. It's it's probably lumped in with the rest of the toxic decks to me. Um, the yeah. lowest of the ones. I'd much rather be playing like white. Um, but uh, the what what has been pushing pushed me before into this archetype is the um, when I see Necrogen rot priests everywhere, like yeah, that signpost uncommon feels great to me. Like a four mana one five toxic two that plague nurses everything all the time. It just makes all of your toxics one better. And it's and like, being able to give something death touch is huge. Yeah. Cause like it does all the things that you needed to do, which is like, oh, I attack with a small creature that's been outclassed by a four or five. Now I attack and one of them's gonna get death touch or two of them. Which one's gonna be like yeah. And, and if you don't block, you get like a creature that's so hard to block because it's a one yeah. five that they can give death touch. Yeah. So even by itself, yeah, you're right, is awesome. So um, when I see these wheeling and I just like pick them up late, I have a hard time not playing this deck because um, it just yeah. it just feels so good. And then you get all the um, this deck also benefits from being green and black, which both proliferate, which means that you can end up like getting a bunch of toxic early. They'll be at five or six toxic and then you can just proliferate the rest of it um, through different cards. Like if you're playing like Whisper of the Dross or um, you're using unnatural restoration to return um, whatever your venomous brutalizer back to your hand and then and you pr proliferate again. Things like that. Um, all those like random spells that let you proliferate for nothing just end up being really helpful. Um, yeah. Or like the Vorak, the late, this is where I proliferate with the, the pig the most mm -hmm. often. Uh, is when you're in. This like kind of thing. Ninety percent of the time, I play the pig is to get a land, but in this deck, it happens more often that I'm playing it later to proliferate. Yeah, uh, and another card I didn't mention before in some of these green toxic decks, but I also feel like this is like a big black one is uh, viral spawning. So yeah. that's yeah. like the the sorcery that makes a three three toxic one, and then you can flash it back if you have corrupted um, all star like. Pick oneable. I love this card. <laughs> it's very good. Like, like I was saying, it's not that long ago that a three three for three was like a very strong limited card in green. This is a three three toxic one for three, and then huge upside of you get to cast it again a lot mm -hmm. of the time. Um obviously very, very strong. And, but I agree it's probably at its best in this deck. Mm -hmm. uh, this is also where I like the rat the best. Yeah. Like belly rat. Because you, you often get into the situation where it's like I attack with my rat 
whether you block or not, you're getting a poison counter, bitch. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> and well, see, and that is where I get into the situation where I hate playing the blight belly rat when they have the fucking <laughs> axiom engraver because I'm like, I don't even get in that situation. Like, well, you can give it death touch of these decks. Uh, well, yeah, that's true. Uh, um, uh, yeah, this this was the one when I was looking at the 17 lands list. This is the only one where I'm like, okay, that doesn't line up with what I was thinking. Mm -hmm. um, like most of the other ones, though, maybe I didn't have light blue as best, but I had it as mid pack. Mm -hmm. um, Definitely black green. I think I had probably as like fifth best, you know, after mm -hmm. the, the top four, and they have it as second worst. And Which so, is so weird. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, this is the one that I I don't necessarily understand, and I think that you know we've been talking about the signpost uncommon. That might be the best signpost uncommon of all. It's so good. So, um, and that's why I had. That's why I fall into this deck because I just see it going around. And a lot of times I'm like, man, I wish I was playing black green. And so now yeah. it's difficult for me to start picking white cards because a lot of times I get pushed into picking green cards because it's just like that Nitrogen Brock Priest is gonna wheel, you know, like that just, it happens so right. often. Um, green is really strong. I think black is one of the weaker colors. Like obviously it's better than blue, but it's probably the second worst color. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people have green as the best color. So that's why just from that alone, I'm like, this deck's probably about mid-pack. Yeah. I think I have red as the best color, but um, basically yeah. the Naya colors are good and the Demir colors are less good. Mm -hmm. Which, uh, yeah, something's got to be the best, something's got to be the worst. Um, they're never all <laughs> paired up. Um, though, I do think that um, the other, like, the green decks that are with the bad colors are significantly better than the red decks with the bad colors. So maybe not significantly. Uh, I, I, I don't I like green blue stinks. <laughs> I, I I probably would have picked green blue as like the worst color. Well, blue no. black's really bad though. Blue black's, blue black's really bad. bad. Um, but like we're gonna talk about like red blue, which is I don't. Do you like red blue? I don't know. I don't like it. I basically have nothing to say about red blue. I've never drafted it and I've never lost to it. I've never seen a good version of this deck. I think I've played against it like once or twice, steamrolled it, and uh, I've just never seen somebody be successful with this. Even in the Pro Tour, I don't think any of the matches showed like a successful red blue deck. I know they existed. Uh, but I don't think I s we saw got to see any. We I don't so think I can we get only, to like in Yeah, I don't think we get to see any, but we do. I we'll, we'll talk about it in a minute. But um, uh, about right, the like right, the three O yeah. archetypes from uh, the Pro Tour. But yes, we like, like on coverage. It's I don't think Drake. I guess is the big payoff for like there are a few cards. The one three that gets mill counters and then becomes unblockable. Like. So a few cards I can imagine slotting into a successful archetype, and then you just play a whole bunch of red removal, I guess. But it, it, it can also be like I don't know if the decks were like uh, Blue Sun's Twilight or like you got Jace yeah, or, or something, yeah. and then you end up like having red removal, or somebody fell into like a cough deck that like Splash Blue or something. You know, like I I don't the really uncommon know. seems pretty good. I've never actually played with or against it, but it's I like, have you can see if you had a few of those. 
It, yes, I can, I can attest that uh, it is good and annoying and um, definitely played a lot less than I think it should. Ah, no, that's not even true. I think this deck's not super great. You need Trawler Drakes and you yeah. need, you do need this card, but like it's again, you, it, you need so many other things with it. I ended up playing a game right. where I like punted so hard um, where I should have won the game, but like I, I just like, I just made a huge mistake and I felt really bad about it. Um, that, that was against this deck that had like two of these and I had fought through some and like bounced one and it was um, just a bad situation. Anyway, um, it can be great, but I think some of the like spells... A, a good out. version of blue-red is like all uncommons and then some like red, maybe some hex gold slashes and like volts, uh, yeah. voltage... Uh, surge. Uh, surge, or, whatever the name of that yeah, yeah. Whatever not, that is. not voltage surge, because that's the, that's the that's kind of like in standard. But, um, but yeah, whatever that is. Yeah, um, like, charge. That's what I'm thinking. Has, Volt has, charge, has, yeah. yeah. Charge. That, that's what it has to be, right? Like all trawler drakes and the signpost uncommon, and like mm -hmm. you know the the blue uncommon bounce spell, and yeah, right. It's like it has to you, be all uncommons. All of that. Um, maybe the only blue common you'd really want is the one three that when you play non-creature spells, it gets oil counters yeah. and can attack. Yes, that one. Uh, unblockable. That one's reasonable. Um, but yeah, I um. I'm not in love with this deck. Um, obviously, but to be fair, I, I also hate green blue. I think green blue stinks too. So, yeah. I end up playing green blue. I've played green blue, and I've done really well with green blue. It so really you're the green blue expert. Then take it away. I mean, so the green blue deck. Jack's favorite color pair is Simic. Confirmed. <laughs> the green blue deck <laughs> ends up being like, as always. I start playing green, and then blue is the only open color, and I oh, like I just see people pass me. I played a deck where, and, and this is like, this happens, and this is when you can play blue, and when it just goes in your favor somehow, but you like start up the draft with some good green uncommons, and then all of a sudden it's like someone third pick, like passes you a Jace, and you're like, oh, okay, well, that's weird. And then you open Blue Sun's Twilight, and you're like, okay, well, I'll take that. And then like, Later in the draft, someone just passes you Jenga Taxes from like Kamigawa, and you're like, I guess I, yeah, I just have all this, and I have like a bomb deck, and that literally happened to me. And I was able to do a lot with that. And it was like, this is sick. Um, but it's because I had a bunch of all the good blue rares and mythics, why blue deck was good. Like that's that's normal. Yeah. If you have good bombs, your deck's gonna be good. So or or it can win out of nowhere and people will uh they'll sometimes i like playing blue and playing the island first just to make people oh this is gonna be easy and so they underestimate me immediately <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then i start playing green cards and they're like wait what's going on um <laughs> so that's the the type of deck that um i will play on occasion but uh i never want to but like if people are passing you bomb blue cards you know go into blue and then you can get all all the stuff um having an open seat is yeah. great it just sucks when you have to play blue all the time in this draft format which happens it's starting to happen to me yeah. because i'm starting to be okay with blue and then i then i think the format out. is generally shifting a bit back that way so it'll be less open a little mm -hmm. bit um 
But yeah, blue isn't so unplayable that you should avoid avoid it when it's wide open, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, just bad enough that it's going to be wide open, like you're saying, and all the time. And then you're like, yeah. I don't want to play blue every draft. Yeah, so that's what happens. But again, it's like play it when it's open, and you know it's open when you get a lot of the good uncommons passed to you over and over again. So like, right. if you see a Trawler Drake like pick seven, and you're like, almost everyone has seen this card. Like, right. And don't be afraid to go in on that, because you're going to see so much more blue. And if you don't take it, like, oh, maybe it's not a signal, you're going to be like, damn, I really should have just committed. Exactly. And that's, like, I think pick seven and eight, that's when you, like, it's a bit of a teetering point when you're like, the person who's like saw this pack first might be like, wow, this wheeled, I'm, this is for sure open. And that's a huge exactly. signal. You want to jump on the signal before them. So um, yeah, when you start to see the the sevens, I think that's, that's a time to move in. Um, ugh. Anyway, um, but I, with, with us trashing blue, I say you definitely, you can still play it. You just, yeah. This isn't like a Forgotten Realms situation where it's like, even if blue's wide open, you shouldn't take it. It's it's not quite that level. Yeah. yeah unless you want to just play like, yeah, that was such so rough. Um, I think that was also just because like the aggro deck was like sh- yeah. shitting out treasures. And so like you could just play. You're just going to play against red, black every single game and lose yeah. all three. Um, so yeah, which... Brings us finally to our last archetype, which is blue black, which I've never really played. You have, I've seen some people have yeah. winning records with it <laughs> on Twitter. I've seen. I like the idea of this deck. Like it's a sort of controlling strategy that everything kind of has. They they get a poison counter stapled onto it, and then you're mm-hmm. like proliferating. I think it's cool. Um, so I drafted a few times early on. Uh, I had no, very little success with it. And that was kind of when I was like, all right, I keep getting tempted by these blue cards. Maybe I'm just going to try stepping away from blue. Don't take mm-hmm. them, even if I want to, just for a few drafts to see how it goes. And then that's when I was like, all right, I confirmed my hypothesis that blue yeah. sucks. Um, I did recently draft a blue-black deck that went four and three. So Whoa. winning record. And I was really Holy happy shit. with that. Um, I don't think there was any great secret though. I just had had a relatively high power level, like lots of uncommons. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I could have done even better, but I misplayed in one of the games and that I made it four and three. Yeah, um, that yeah. But like, I just had a lot of removal and mm-hmm. uh, like I I was very good at getting them corrupted, and then I had all these like anoints to to just like remove stuff and um. Overall, yeah. though, I think this deck is just not where you want to be. Like, this type of deck wants you, or is encouraging you to play stuff like Prologue to Phyresis, mm-hmm. um, which is like draw a card, they get a poison counter. But that's just too it slow is. in this format. You need to be committing to the board and yeah, it, protecting yourself. What, so. what, yeah, it, it's, it's like what you should really be playing is like the, the Siphoner get a poison counter on them and yeah. then play all the cards that proliferate much better and draw you a card. Like the, the one that like you look at the top three, put one in your hand and then you proliferate helps so many more of your cards than just putting one poison counter on them and 
right. does like the same thing. So the the fire yeah, they're looking for the uncommon that drains them when you proliferate. I think I think that's yeah. like one of the. I had two or three of those in my uh, positive win rate deck list. Mm -hmm. And I I definitely think that that card helps, and I've seen it around because that card is for that deck and nobody wants it i've also exactly. opened venture and, and it's corpse puppets three, right? so. yeah it's a, and it's a one three a two minute one three uh talking about two minute one threes venture core corpse puppet jeez i'm saying that yeah Ugh, my this 11 percent beer is starting to get to me um <laughs> uh but i've opened that so many times just like popping that thing and be oh jesus oh i see that thing so often like ninth pick yeah, it's like a, I can't uh, just like nobody nobody wants to be blue black. No, the blue black uncommon is quite good. It like comes back. Mm -hmm. It's a cheap flyer that comes back every time you proliferate. Yeah. Um, so again, maybe like that's what pushes you into this. If you see a Venser and you see one of those, it's all wheeling. You're mm -hmm. getting it really like late, and you had a few good black cards, and then you're like, all right, fine, I'll take these high power level blue black cards. Um, but generally speaking, like this deck to me is the worst deck um, by a fairly significant margin. Mm -hmm. um, I think then we have like blue, red, and green, blue are also quite bad. And then everything else is kind of fine or good yeah. to me. Yeah. So it's like there's, there's like well defined cutoffs. So you really just don't want to be in any of the blue decks that isn't blue white. You're just yeah. like not really interested in that. Yeah, it seems like uh, there's like the top four, uh, the middle like three or four and the yeah, bottom three. three so, um, yeah. yeah, with that being said, I, I have two things to say. Um, in the Pro Tour, I have the list of uh, day one, three and O archetypes, which was a bit surprising to me. I don't know how surprising, but it was a lot flatter than I thought. Um this was like a 220 person tournament. I don't know how many draft pods that is, but an amount. Um, and like the four archetypes that went 3 0 was red, white. Okay. Thought about that. Uh, green, black. All right. That was not hey. one of the highest ones. And blue, white ended up going 4 0. And Benton Madsen was one Ooh. of the blue whites from day one. And he went to the finals. That was super surprising. A blue deck being one of the the like top things. We even were joking about that. We were joking about mono blue and being absurd. But like having like a a strong share of like the best decks being a blue one was surprising. The best blue pair, to be fair, but still uh, really yeah. interesting. Um, then moving, and then all of it was kind of flat after that. It was like. Uh, red green had three three and zero uh, win rates, uh, and then all the other ones were two besides blue green, which only had one three and zero, which was Gab Nassif, I think. So that also went to the to top eight. But um, yeah, that <laughs> I think they even had a little segment with uh, Gab just being like he was like, yeah, I was really hoping not to be in this archetype. I think it's really bad. But uh, it was open, and I ended up being able to play it and win. You gotta do. And those yeah. are also so. Those are interesting because those are all pro players. So all those people would have known how to draft each of one of those archetypes because they've all been drafting a bunch to prepare for this. Um, 
So it's just interesting to see. I was expecting it to be more like, I wonder how much of it was clumped around. Like everyone was trying to go towards the same types of things. And then the people who were able to find their seat best did really well. And then that ended up being like, whoever jumped on like the blue artifact thing ended up doing pretty well. So it's really, really cool to see how the pros draft. I, I just, I like that. Definitely. And they were like talking about, it. I thought one of the funniest parts of the broadcast was they were talking about how like you just don't get A plus decks or whatever at the pro tour because all the other drafters know all the archetypes. They mm -hmm. are very good themselves. They know the good cards. And like literally as they're explaining that, they're like, let's take a look at Shota Yasuoka's green black deck. And it's just like the most outrageous thing I've ever seen. He had two glisses on Mastercore. Like, just like a bunch of uncommons. Yeah. Like, oh, a little bit of foot and mouth there, eh, there, guys? Because this deck is definitely like an A. A, for sure. Um, And that's a card we didn't talk about. And the last thing I wanted to talk about in this is that we were talking about all about the two color archetypes. Uh, Argenta Masticore is a beating. Busted. Busted. Uh, it, when I go into the draft, the the main card I want to see when I my pack one, pick one, when I see the first thing would be that card. Leaves you open to everything and it's busted. So pick it. I'm sure everyone knows this by now, but pick it. It's very good. Yeah. Ridiculous card. Um, I did want to say, I mentioned, I said that I never lost to blue red, and I just remembered that's actually not true. I did lose to a deck. I it was either Jeskai or Teamer. I can't quite remember, but it was like blue red base, and it was in all will be one, like combo deck. Okay. <laughs> so all will be one is an enchantment that whenever you put counters on something, it deals that much damage to whatever you want. Mm -hmm. And they also had a Jace. So they were like plussing the Jace and like pinging stuff and everything in their deck put counters oh. on it. Um, <laughs> and I was just like sitting there laughing. Like I felt like I was playing my random draft deck against like a Saffron Olive like standard deck. Against the <laughs> odds deck. <laughs> it, was, it was some like stupid enchantment combo thing. But anyways, yeah, I did get absolutely annihilated by that deck. And the rest of their deck was like, just big blockers like the O3 with the counters. Yeah. And you can move them and like just like all stuff that makes it really hard to kill their Jace. <laughs> they were just chasing me around and like proliferating with three counters on stuff. That is is that a saying? Do people say Jacing around? Because that's the best thing I've they ever do, heard. They do now. Oh wow. <laughs> I mean, like, will we see another Jace after this? Who knows? But I love, yeah, I love that. Oh, I'm just gonna Jace him around a little bit. <laughs> Jace him around a bit. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, that's what it takes if you want to have a good blue red deck in this format. Yeah, <laughs> add add <laughs> add a double red card. Uh, do you know things? Just like all it. mythic rares. Love it. Yeah. Like synergize together. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I love that so much. Um, anyway, uh, that is our our draft, what we think about draft. Uh, this has been quite a long episode, which I love because it's been a bit, and I love being able to talk about draft. It's one of my favorite formats. Yeah. And when I say one of it, probably is. Um, I have a hard time not drafting. Um, yeah. 
Jeff. Uh, yeah, I know any... the format's not done, but do you have any closing thoughts on the format itself? Like, is it a good one? Is it a bad one? I will say it's a good one because I like it. Uh, and it's a good one because it has toxic and it's a good one because there are Phyrexians. Those are all the reasons why I like it. Um, I love all of those things. I love trying to go for toxic and it working out. I love when it doesn't works out, works out. Uh, I, I wish that blue wasn't nearly as bad, but at the same time, I think that that is just like a time-based thing, right? Where like you, I start the format thinking a certain deck is the best and like people were like heavy into Celestia and then you're playing Boros and so then people switch sides and then people grew out and then see that oil is yeah. actually what the one that they like the most and then there's rogue people being like, actually this mono blue deck is working out because no one likes blue cards and then people go to that and then it all moves around. So um, once we get to the end, we'll see. But it still feels like it's morphing. The fact that I've seen somebody on Twitter post like four 7-0 decks that were blue-black. And they're like, this, these are busted. Best deck in the format. Love it. I love being like... That's crazy to me. That's insane that you're like... Well, I get, maybe it wasn't 7-0, but they're all seven trophies. Sorry, they're all trophies. Right, seven wins. Seven yeah. wins. But one of them was 7-0 and there's 7-1, 7-2. But yeah, it was... Uh, that made that gave me life i think to be like oh okay there is a possibility that i'd be able to do this and this is my one weird caveat to this which is i don't know if it's i so we don't this is my conspiracy theory guy coming out i don't know how arena matches you with other players but it feels like every time i play blue i play against a bunch of other blue people I don't know why but it feels like i'm playing a lot of blue black decks blue red decks blue green decks blue white decks i'm not playing nearly as many white red decks red like red green decks until i'm playing like toxic and then i'm playing like black green and then they're like white red white red white red every time I'm like oh, what is what's going on <laughs> i don't know what's yeah. happening so that's my little like tinfoil hat coming out um so tell me so that's the secret draft blue and then you play against bad decks and then you do well <laughs> that is the secret um but tell me if that's what you have been experiencing because i i honestly don't know um anyway jeff do you have any final thoughts before we go to last call uh i think the main thing i just wanted to call out was like this format got judged very quickly i think and that's a little unfair i think it's totally fine format it's been really fun i've played it more than i do most formats like above average in terms of how much i've played it um, i don't think it's an all-timer or anything like like you said it has some flaws like blue is noticeably weaker than the other colors um i think sometimes it feels a bit uh like draft on rails sort of like a um uh, what do you call it tribal set where it's like okay i'm toxic now i just close my eyes and pick every single toxic card that comes my way because like that's going to be better than you don't want to be the deck that's half oil half toxic or that's half like you know proliferates and half uh whatever like artifacts so you kind of just choose 
a lane and then stick to it. So you draft keywords, but otherwise it's kind of like tribal. It's a keyword tribal, mm -hmm. um, which, you know, it, it isn't necessarily a problem, but it, it can hurt the longevity of the format, like how long it's fun for. Mm -hmm. um, but otherwise, I think it's really good. Uh, I think it is fast, but also somehow a prince format. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. The rares are just really fucking good. Um, and uh, I've, I've been really enjoying it. And I won't look back on this and be like, man, that was a bummer before that, um, which I think it was getting that reputation really early. So I think that was a bit unfair. Like it you was. say, it's evolved a lot too. Like mm -hmm. it, It's gone through cycles and it's still going to continue to go through cycles. So that means there's some depth there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I am probably slowing down my drafting because I'm getting... I think I have most of the cards I needed for standard and explorer. So I'm moving into some constructed stuff now, but I feel, yeah, same. I think I drafted every night last week. It was amazing. And I like, I, I was so excited to keep doing it. And, um, even though I bottomed same. out, I, I recently bottomed out. I, uh, I had told you I was going to wait and not crack any of my packs <laughs> until I was done. Yeah. But then I didn't have enough gems to go back into a draft and right. just got angry, cracked like 40 packs. And oh, uh, nice. yeah, the consensus was it was about half and half, half the cards I wanted, half the cards I didn't. So that's not bad. I don't really know what that means. But um, uh, in the end, I did that. And then I ended up re-upping and playing a bunch of drafts and being very happy that I have a ton of gems right now. It's always a good time. Yeah. Gotta reel it in because sometimes I get too excited and draft like yeah, four times a night. Jamie reel open three times and then it's gone. Yeah, um, that will happen. So <laughs> don't don't do that. But Jeff, let's go to last call. Let's rate these beers we got tonight. Okay. As always, we rate our beers on a scale of bronze to mythic, just like the Tears in Arena. Isn't that funny how that worked out? I don't know who decided that. Super lucky. Yeah, really, really, really lucky. Um, as always, this has nothing to do with which tier you are in currently. Every tier is uh, special. Every tier is nice. Every person is in every tier at different times. So if you haven't made it to Mythic yet, you can do it. I'm sure you can. Though, while I say all of those things, bronze beers are horrible. They're trash. You have to throw them away. You spit them out on the ground. They're disgusting. You can't even finish them. When you can't finish a beer... That's a bad beer. Yeah. Silver beers are basically just boring. Um, not a lot going on. Your macro brews tend to fall into this category. Uh, gold beers are fine, but you probably won't drink them again. Yeah. Platinum is one step up. They're solid. You would definitely drink it again. Diamond beers are exceptional. These are ones that you keep on a list. You like them a lot and you bring them to your friends to enjoy. And Mythic, these are the best of the best. These are your favorite beers, you know. However, the, the few few favorite beers on the list, you recommend them to everyone. If you see them, you buy them. Uh, those are the Mythics. That's right. Jeff, um, we've had two very different beers. This yeah. Evening. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's always hard when when these styles go up next to each other because they're both styles we like a lot. Um, yeah. But do you have a pick for this evening? Do you know which one you would like? I do. All right. Yeah. I have the can in my hand. Same. Here we go. Three, two, one. 
Fatality. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it's it, it's so hard to beat a barrel aged Imperial Stone. That's the thing, right? Like, no, there's nothing nothing against Halibur Forest, but you're asking a logger to beat an Imperial Stone. That's an uphill mm-hmm. battle. Yeah, an amber logger, no doubt, and a quite good one. So. Actually, this time, since we're talking about it, let's talk about the Halliburton Forest Amber Law Double G E R, um, yeah. <laughs> which I did like. And going in, like, yeah, me too. Obviously, like Amber Loggers, delicious. I love them. I I want as many as I can in my life. I want those to be a style that people make more. So this is also part of my crusade of like when I see amber loggers, I want to buy them. So then people know yeah, they support more. Yeah. Um, because when you buy a bunch of weird IPAs that are like cupcake uh birthday milkshake, like then they'll make more of those, which is also interesting <laughs> and weird. But I I like amber loggers and I'm really happy that they obviously like amber loggers too because they made a joke about it. So right. Um it's it was good. I don't really know where to put it because I have other amber loggers as like being my favorite ones. So um yeah. It 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 didn't you're a little biased. I'm a little biased, though since my favorite amber logger is changing the recipe and fucking up everything. Um <laughs> maybe this one will no, nah, it's probably not gonna get there, but um I'm very happy that I tried it. Yeah. Um, but I will probably, I don't know. Where do you put this? <laughs> yeah. So I agree with what you said. Like I, you know, I bought this to support Amber Loggers. Um, I really think this delivers on what I've looked for in an Amber Lager. It's, it's crisp, like fr- refreshing, like a lager, but it has a bit more flavor because of the Amber malts used than like some of your silver level macro beer lagers um that being said i don't think there's anything about this that like really wowed me like like you said there are other amber lagers you right. go to ahead of this you're right so uh i think i'll put this in platinum like good mm-hmm. showing delivers on the style i think the only tricky part is like i don't know how much often i will drink this again but i think this is better than gold so it's kind of like that um like there are other things I'll go to first, but I just don't feel right giving it gold. I, I so. agree. I think I'll remember it more too, just because of the way that like, I, I think the joke goes a lot longer than you think. Um, yeah. But like, if I was going camping and I saw this, like I'm definitely picking some up. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I would drink this. I would buy a bunch of these and go camping for sure. Yeah. And be like, sick. This is like, Check this out. It's there's like you know it feels very like woodsy, cabiny kind of like the trees around, right. um, which obviously is just having the occasion is great. Um, perfect platinum. That makes sense. We love amber, so I think if it was any other style, it'd probably be gold. But uh, because it's an amber, it's very hard for me to to rate yeah. it that low. Um, but level beers fatality. Uh Another A plus name. Yeah. There you go. So, so good. I think like of the beers I've tasted from them, they had like a Mario one. They had a couple other ones. 
Um, it reminds me of the one in Edmonton that we did analog uh, right. that had a similar like 8-bit kind of video gamey stuff. <laughs> but I think I like level beers, beers better. Right. And this one is great. Yeah. I really like it's, it. It's very, very good. Um, you do taste the booze. It's not... I agree. Uh, which, you know, like, to some people, that's a downside. It's not really a downside to me, I think. I'm okay with that. Like, if you have a 12% beer and it mm -hmm. tastes boozy, you know. Yeah. It's almost better than a 12% beer that doesn't taste boozy because, damn, that's the, dangerous. That's dangerous. <laughs> Though, I think that, like, I agree that the taste, like I, I have a, I like the taste of alcohol. Obviously, I have a podcast about alcohol, so like, duh. But <laughs> when I'm looking at beers nowadays, I'm looking for ones that are a little lower percentage. And if there's a fatality, it's, it's so hard though. They tell you that you're gonna die. Like, yeah. So, so <laughs> it's, it's delivering because, like, if it was called fatality and it was like. 8.4 you'd be like what but i could drink two 8.4 beers i really don't want to drink two 11.5 beers you know like it's probably not what i'm trying to do um so ah but it's aptly named so it's so hard um as far as barrel aged stouts go i would hope that they'd be like a little bit lower or, or if it uh, was in a bottle or something, so I would like, it would be feel more of a special thing that like I drink once and like had. But when it's in this can and it looks so cool and the name is hilarious, I don't know. I, I'm going to give this diamond because mm -hmm. I really like it. And I, I will definitely recommend Level Beer and all the beers I've had from them and this one to anyone who's in Portland and can get their hands on this beer definitely get it yeah and when i go there i'm definitely going to buy more it would be cool to go to the brewery um, my sister lives in portland and that's why i have this i brought it back from there so um anyone nice. who's wondering why we just got a random portland beer that's why <laughs> and there may be more in the future in the future when i see her again um but yeah i think diamond i don't know if it cracks it for me but the name gets yeah. me so close. I know, yeah. I mean, that was the decision for me, is this Diamond or Mythic. I ultimately landed on Diamond, I think, similar to what we discussed with the Halliburton Forest. I think there are Imperial Stouts that I would go to ahead of this, and those mm -hmm. are the Mythics, right? Um, this one is just like some of the flavors they chose to go for, like kind of the uh, like vanilla yeepy. Uh, like I, I get a lot of vanilla out of it mm -hmm. and so like for my personal taste I would tone the sweet stuff down a little bit and uh, I don't know if I would detect that it's like barrel aged without them telling me because you don't get a ton of that whiskey or like uh, oak or whatever um, I guess the flavor wise no but like to me it's yeah. like the alcohol percentage yes where I'm like, yeah, yeah, when I start sure. to, when I taste the alcohol, that's where I'm like, is this a barrel aged? Yes. <laughs> okay, right. Yeah. That's why. But like, I don't taste a ton of like oak sure. or whiskey mm -hmm. or anything like that. And well, I like to be that. fair, the vanilla is what the oak would represent in a lot of cases. But true. Um. But yeah, uh, 
I do like this and it it gives me hope for the rest of their beers because if they can I mean though to be fair if someone makes an imperial style I don't like I don't know what happened to them that's right um it's it's, it's really very good classic. like I could see this being someone else's mythic like their favorite beer and the oh best for sure ever in their mind it just doesn't quite line up exactly with like my own yeah. taste or sensibilities Agreed. Um, so it's like acknowledging that it's a fantastic beer but just doesn't line up perfectly with what I want in an yeah. imperial stout. So then we'll put it in diamond. Yeah, it flirted. It's definitely diamond one, like on the cusp, but it can't right, break yeah. through. It's getting close. You know, it just needs to yeah. win a couple more games. Exactly. <laughs> just yeah, so close. Um. Anyway, those are the beers for tonight. Really good ones. Oof. I'm yeah. feeling these ones. I'm one of our sure. better showings in a while, right? Yeah. Diamond and platinum, and both kind of like, I guess the. the one was diamond mythic borderline, but the other one was like gold platinum border. And still, they're also both beers that we like the styles of a lot. So, yeah, yeah, that's always nice. Like, when is the like IPA gonna crack mythic? Like, I don't know. Um, I need to go back and remember what we rated mythic. So. Like, did I rate Mad Tom mythic or twice as Mad Tom? I might. I, might uh, I think you did. I think you did. <laughs> yeah. Mm. But anyway. It's time for closing time. As always, you can reach us at Arena Regulars on Twitter and Instagram. You may also find us on MTG Arena itself under the username Arena Regulars Podcast. Give us a hello. <laughs> Love it. Um, you can find me personally. My uh, handle is at Zulberg, that is Z-E-U-L-B-E-R-G on Twitter and Instagram and Arena. But Jeff, where can they find you? Best place to hit me up is on the Discord channel. I will go by regular Jeff in the Discord channel and you can find the link to that in the show notes. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts on iTunes. Follow us on Spotify and leave us a review there. Go to our YouTube channel and leave a comment. Uh, we love interacting with all of our fans. Um, and you've all given us a lot of great feedback. And and just like, it, it, it warms our hearts. So um, just, we'd love to engage with you. This has been the Arena Regulars. Reminding you that Reed Duke is a pro tour champion. Good night. All right, that's fine.